This is The Beat with Radia B, a conversation about the Charleston County Sheriff's Office in our community. Welcome to The Beat, hosted by Radia B. As many of you are aware, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And in our latest episode, we have April and Daniela here with the Victims Assistance Unit with the Charleston County Sheriff Department. Welcome, welcome. April, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is April Ford. I am a victim advocate with the Charleston County Sheriff's Office. I've been with the agency since, I believe, 2016. I am a survivor of homicide. Um, Back in 2015, um, my brother was murdered, um, and I found myself in the office of a victim advocate at a police department. Um, And just being a survivor of homicide, I just, I I understand the, the importance and the value of a competent and compassionate um, victim's advocate. So um, I'm just here to give back what was given to me. Awesome, awesome. And Ms. Daniela, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Daniela Diaz. I am a victim advocate since 2016. I've been with the agency since 2005, and I started at the, uh, the detention center as a detention officer. And the reason why I wanted to become a bilingual victim advocate is I assisted many uh, Hispanic um, residents at the detention center, and I saw the need for a bilingual Spanish-speaking person to assist them, and I really wanted to be part of the other part of the equation and try to help Hispanic victims of especially violent crimes. Awesome, awesome. How do you guys handle the day-to-day process in the victim's assistant um, unit? Um, Well, when we arrive in the office, um, the first thing we do is we view um, the incident reports. We assign cases. We make contact with um, victims um, where the defendant is currently or in jail, and there may be a scheduled bond hearing. We attend bond hearings um, as a support person with the victim or on the victim's behalf. A day-to-day, we may attend order of protection court, magistrate court, preliminary hearing court. We assist victims with purchasing um, necessities. Um, we visit hospitals. So there's a number of, of you know things that we do that are beyond our, our job description. So tell me a little bit, what does domestic violence or intimate partner violence look like? Um, so domestic violence um, is a pattern of behaviors um, used to establish and maintain power and control. Um, domestic violence can be physical. You know, you would see that. You would see like the bruises, the um, the injuries. Um, it could be emotional. It could be sexual, mm-hmm. financial. You'll see the isolation. Um, and in the isolation aspect, that's where the um, abuser uh, tries to keep the victim, you know, away from family. Um, we've seen... Um, abusive animal, um, as well as intimidation, um, mm-hmm. destruction of property as a means to intimidate. So if somebody says, what does it sound like for family members to recognize so that they can help? Sometimes you'll see the, the victim um, very defensive, making excuses um, for the offender. Is this just a woman's issue? Um, Well, um, studies do show that women are more common to be victims of domestic violence. However, um, that could be due to men underreporting. But it's it's not a woman's issue. It affects all genders. Um, 
sexual orientations. You know, as advocates here at the sheriff's office, we um, we assist victims with obtaining order of protection. Mm -hmm. And we recently just had um, a case where a man was you know, seeking protection um, from his wife. Um, in bond court, we recently had a case where you know, a male was seeking a no contact bond condition against his male partner. So it's it's not a, a woman's issue. We would I would say it's a human issue. Okay, great, great. So how should someone take action in getting help? First, the victim has to recognize there is a problem. So many times mm -hmm. uh, there is an abuse physically, mentally, emotionally, financially and the person doesn't recognize that. So the first step for someone to try to seek help is to recognize there is a problem. And of course, uh, willing to seek help for that. Once that person identify that, um, the person that is listening, it has to not to be judgmental and um, try to help um, and I will advise whoever is a victim of domestic violence, and not just domestic violence, but any crime, to do a report with law enforcement. Uh, in our case that we are talking about domestic violence today, there are victims um, that they don't feel comfortable right. reporting a abuse to law enforcement, and that's, that's okay. They still can, there are other resources, there are other people that they can go to for help. They can go to a family member, friend, someone that they trust. They can even talk to someone of uh, authority, like a uh, minister, mm -hmm. or you can go to the uh, emergency room. Here in Charleston, we have a uh, my sister's house, which is a domestic violence uh, battered women's shelter. And um, so there is help. There is help to uh, get out of that situation. All right. Well, thank you for even um, mentioning other resources than just the sheriff's office, other community resources, faith-based. Um, what does the process look when a victim comes to your office? Describe that. When victims come to the sheriff's office seeking assistance, the first thing we do is we um, we assess safety. We just make sure that they're they're safe, and then we you know we, we talk about their immediate needs. What are your immediate needs are? Sometimes those needs are, you know, they may need medical attention, um, financial resources, shelter. It's basically safety and immediate needs, and then from there we talk about um, whether or not we need to assist them with. Um, order of protections because here, you know, we draft and we file order of protection. So all the victim actually has to do is show up to court. Awesome, awesome. So how can survivors break the cycle? Give us some pointers or some resources or information, rather, of how survivors can break the cycle. When the person realized that there has been a victim of a crime, domestic violence, in this case, um, of course, uh, leaving the abuser it's not easy, it is rather dangerous, it's scary, and uh, it shows that a victim uh, tried to leave the abuser seven times before that person actually wow. leave the situation of abuse. And there are many reasons why the person don't want to uh, leave the situation. It's always hope for change. And there is this cycle of abuse, honeymoon, 
the increase of attention and then the abuse. But in, in sometimes victims blame themselves. I'm the reason why I did something wrong. That's why he reacted that way. It's hard to break the cycle. So what happens if the cycle isn't broken and if it's passed from generation to generation? What happens? Studies show that domestic violence begets violence. So children who um, witness violence at home, they're more likely to be abusers or, or victims themselves. Studies also show that children, you know, that are witnessing violence at home are more aggressive um, towards their peers. Um, and they also suffer from like mental health issues. So it's, it's just a cycle that, you know, those behaviors continuing. Wow. So what kind of, what community partnerships um, and relationships and organizations that can help assist survivors? Here in the Charleston area, we have different resources for survivors of domestic violence. We have my sister's house, which is a domestic violence uh, women's shelter. We also have the Department of Crime Victim Compensation Network, and that is out of the South Carolina Attorney General's Office. And we also have uh, LISA Lifeline. We have legal services. We have National Crime Victim Center out of MUSC. And we also have, um, we have relationships with like local businesses. Um, like we have like there's a local tire shop that if we're in need of a victim yeah. um, it's a need of tires so donate we have a furniture store that'll donate um, bed linen to sexual assault victims so um, there's a number of agencies that we have those relationships with where we could just call if you know there's a need okay. are there any uh, unique challenges or barriers that you face with working with survivors if I'm working with um, the Latino Hispanic community, uh, the first difficult that I encounter is the language barrier. And sometimes they do not how, um, how to know how to uh, report a crime. And there is a fear for deportation, uh, that lack of knowledge of our laws and legal system, and we also, we have some Spanish-speaking counselor, but we are always needing more. There is a cultural um, difference between um, our community and the Hispanic community. Uh, what is permitted in certain uh, Hispanic-speaking or Latin American countries is not acceptable here. So there is the reason why there are certain incidents that go underreported the victim keeps being re-victimized because she doesn't report that, she believes that's normal, um, that's my partner, that's my husband, he has all the right to do that, he has all the right to treat me uh, that way, and especially if they are children um, in the situation, it is harder for them because sometimes the abuser is the breadwinner. Right, right. Yeah, and it's it's kind of the same for like the African American community. Whenever the victim does get the strength or to trust, you know, a relative, and they come and they disclose that you know they're they're being victimized or a victim of domestic violence, and their husband or you know is, has been abusing them, you'll have that one relative that'll you know, well, that's your husband. Right. Um, it'll get better, um, and that they just tend to minimize 
how do we reach those um, domestic violence victims um, based on a cultural aspects that you guys have just described in the Hispanic and in the African American communities? Everything starts with education and a good uh, way to reach out to all these victims. It's through uh, schools. That will be a good place to uh, to start. But it's it's always important, and that's what I always uh, like to point out, is the person has to realize she, he is a victim. If you don't understand, you don't realize you are a victim, then you're not going to do anything. Even if other people see you as a victim, you don't want to do nothing about it, and uh, that will perpetuate the and abuse. And that's where, you know, our job, that's where advocacy comes in at. We we get these victims and, you know, they, they tell us when we make those phone calls that, you know, I'm not a victim. And then as advocates, you know, we have to, you know, state, well, the incident report says that this is what happened. Um, and it's concerning and we're concerned. Do the community at large, do we have all of the resources and education we need to combat domestic violence? The the answer is no. Um, we could use more shelters. We do have My Sister's House, which is a, a shelter for women and children, however, um, especially due to the pandemic, they're full. There's, there's a lot more that we could do. Can you inform our viewers of a direct way to seek help for themselves or for somebody that they know when they're in a domestic violence situation? Sure, there is a number with the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That is 1-800-799-SAFE. Thank you for joining us on the latest episode of The Beat, hosted by Radia B. And The Beat goes on. This has been The Beat, a conversation about the Charleston County Sheriff's Office in our community. I am Radia B. Look for future episodes by following the Charleston County Sheriff's Office on Facebook, YouTube, or wherever you go to get your podcasts.